began by looking at the heart of the believer where we talked about how important it is that as Christians that we not miss the significance of Christmas. You know, for those of us who've been believers for many years, uh, you know, it's something that we can kind of rush into and out of and we miss the significance of what God wants to teach us because we're just used to it. You know, it's out of habit. We also looked at the heart of the culture. We looked at the heart of the unbeliever and why it's so important that we understand where they are and how the message of Christmas is so important for them to know. We talked about the heart of Scripture, that in the Old Testament, over 300 prophecies were predicted about the coming Messiah, and every single one of those fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, really, it's, it's an amazing thing when you really study that and go in depth as to how specific the Bible is, not just about the birth of Christ, but many other aspects concerning his life and, as well, his second coming. But today, I want to talk about, really, the heart of Christmas as it pertains to, ultimately, the heart of God. What is it that God is really trying to communicate to us as it relates to Christmas, and what's the real meaning of it? so if you will, if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, I'm not going to read the entire Christmas story, but just a few verses of that as we understand that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph are there from Nazareth because of the tax that uh, was placed on uh, those in Judea. And so they come to Bethlehem, which is Joseph's hometown, as well as David. Now, notice the Bible says, after he is born, that in the same region, verse 8, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. Now there's several things to notice about this gift that God has given us. And I want you to think of in terms of the heart of God as a giving God who has given us the greatest gift that one could ever receive. Notice first of all that God gave the gift. It's the obvious, verse 11, a Savior was born for you. So it begs the question, well where did this gift come from? Where did this Savior come from? And as Jesus explains in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave. God is a giving God. God has given us this gift. Now we receive many wonderful gifts at Christmas time. Some of you have already experienced that this morning. I stuck my neck in in my daughter's home, and five kids, and it was absolute chaos at the moment. I quickly left and uh, came here. And, uh, and wonderful gifts that people are going to have today. But the greatest gift is this gift that has been given. No one else could have given the gift of a Savior other than God himself. Many try to produce the same gift, but all those gifts are counterfeit, which I'll talk about in a few moments. You'll respond to the gift differently when you understand that it is God who gave the gift. And we really understand the significance of it. Notice, secondly, that God gave the right gift. He says, a Savior who is Messiah or Christ the Lord. At Christmas time, we try to give a gift to someone. 
based on what we think they need or what they would like. Can you imagine God asking the question, I wonder what they need. I wonder what they would like. Well, he knew exactly the need that we had, the deep need that we have to receive the gift of a Savior. You might think that the design of the gift wasn't perfect. There are things about this gift that you may not like. You might think it's not the right time to enjoy this gift, that maybe you have time later to enjoy this particular gift that God has given. You might think that this gift doesn't fit your personality. Maybe that, you know, it's not enough, or maybe you need more, or whatever else. You might think that it fits some other culture, that maybe it fit a culture of a previous time, but it's not for this culture today. God's Word is given to us, and it's been given for all cultures, for all times. It transcends all cultures. And so what God has given us is a gift that every culture can receive. You might think that you have something like this kind of gift. Well, I have things that fulfill my life, but, but be honest about that. Does it really fulfill the deepest need of your life? But all those are wrong answers. No one is able to say, no, I don't want that, when God says, this is my best gift. This is the greatest gift that he could give us. There are many gifts that people are seeking from God, but they're not the right gift. Even that of the Messiah. Well, the first time I went to Israel in 1985, it was a very long trip, saw fascinating sights, but we got to Israel finally, and we had about seven days there, and my guide's name was Edna, and uh, I, I was fascinated by how much information she knew, not just of Israel from an archaeological standpoint or geographical standpoint or political standpoint, but from a biblical standpoint. Now, here's a Jewish woman, uh, uh, an active Jew. But, but her knowledge of the scripture was incredible and specifically about Jesus Christ. So at the end of the week, you know, I just thought, man, I've got to have a conversation with her. And I said, Edna, we were sitting at a table. I said, Edna, I, I said, you, 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 you talk so much about Christ as though you know him personally. You know so many facts about him. How can you know those things and deny the reality that Jesus is the Messiah. And she said, oh, pastor. She said, I do believe that Jesus is the Messiah for the Gentiles, but not for the Jew. We're still waiting for our Messiah. So even her expectation of God's gift to her in a Messiah was wrong. You see, God's given the right gift, and the one who is to be the Savior of the world the gift that he has given in Jesus Christ. Some of you remember the comic Hobbes and Calvin. And Hobbes asked Calvin, I see that you have a fake Christmas tree. Does that bother you? He said, no, just as long as the presents are real underneath the tree. Well, this is the real present, and it is the right present for all. Notice God gave the gift to you in verse 11. A Savior was born for you. Not for somebody else but for you, for all of us. And we're going to spend, some of you, spend the next several weeks exchanging the gift for something else that it didn't fit or whatever else. Or are you going to get a refund on the gift? Uh, some of you may even try re-gifting the gift. All right? You know what that's about, right? But this is a gift that you're not going to exchange. You're not going to get a refund. It's one you're going to keep. 
Notice God's gift will bring joy to your life. I proclaim to you good news of great joy. You see, that's why you want to keep this gift. Think of how many people today in our world would say, if I could only experience joy for a moment. You might be here this morning. Christmas is, is not a good day for you. Maybe this is a hard day for you. Maybe there's not been a lot of joy this past year. Maybe some would say, I, I, I don't remember many moments of experiencing real joy in my life. You see, the problem is we have a misunderstanding of what joy is. We think other things are going to give us joy, and they don't. And for the Christian, it's not happiness. It's not what God's given us. It's happiness. Because happiness is an emotion. It, it's a fleeting moment. It comes and goes. But joy is in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the problem, the battle, knowing that God is in control, knowing that I can trust Him, knowing that He's going to meet every need, therefore I can have joy. It's a character of Christ that we possess. Notice that God gave the gift for one reason. Not because of what it will do for you. You know, I'm afraid that many people approach God and want from God because of what He can give them. But the reason that he gave this gift is for one reason, and that's because he loves you. Again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that this is what he gave, his gift. Listen, you may question the motive behind somebody giving a gift to you this Christmas, but you will never question God's motive for giving his gift to you because his gift is based on his love. Notice also God gave the gift at a great price. This Savior became the sacrifice. Therefore, he became the Savior. The gift in the manger is the very same gift that hung on a cross. You see, if God thought we needed pleasure, he would have sent a comedian. If God thought we needed more education, he would have sent an educator. If God thought we needed help with our money problems, he would have sent an economist. If God thought we needed more digital apparatuses that are out there, that he would have sent a technician. But God knew exactly what we need. And that greatest need is to have your sins forgiven. Therefore, he sent the gift of a Savior. We are sinners. And there is a Savior. That's why in sharing the gospel, the person who you're talking to has to understand that if they don't get it the, the sin part, they can't understand the Savior part. They've got to understand that I, they have sinned and that they need to repent of that sin and turn to Christ to receive Him as their Savior, to save them from the penalty of their sin. That's why He sent this Savior. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, not just our Savior, but He becomes the Lord of our life. He came to be with us. He came to be one of us. As a man, He offered Himself perfectly sinless for the cross. He perfectly obeyed God's will. And He is the perfect atoning sacrifice for us. He's no longer the baby in the manger. He's no longer the boy of Nazareth. He's no longer the prophet in Galilee. 
He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the grave. He's alive and he's a living Savior today. Not a Savior of antiquity, but a Savior today because he lives and he wants to live in your heart. The heart of God is the heart of Christmas. And the heart of God is a giving God who gave his greatest gift. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus is this gift as a Savior. God's gift shows his love. We often see God and view him as a judge who wants to cramp our style and how we want to live life. But at the heart of God is a father who loves his children. Compassion is at the heart of God. God's gift shows his grace. The Savior is a gift. There are no obligations. Sinners have no right to expect God's gift. This unspeakable gift is all the more unspeakable because we don't deserve it. That's why Paul said it is an indescribable gift, unspeakable gift. God's gift shows his concern. If God would allow his son to suffer on a cross, it shows you how great his concern is for you. And why you ought to have great concern for your own salvation and for the salvation of others. God's gift is meant to be received. In fact, today, you can receive God's gift. He's offering it to you freely. He's waiting for you to open your hands, to open your heart, and to receive this wonderful gift. But God's gift, however, can also be refused. You see, a gift, if forced on someone, ceases to be a gift. And God doesn't force this gift on us. That he allows us to receive it. And he's made it his gift free to all. And God's gift is the only gift that will satisfy the deepest need that you have. Diane Matthews tells the story of when she was in the first grade. That it was the 1st of December and a girl sitting behind her had a, a, a box that she pulled out of her backpack. And it was a very small box wrapped in white shiny paper with red ribbon around it and tied in a bow. And the girl placed it at the edge of her desk. And every day, Diane Matthews said, I would turn around and I would stare at that gift. I thought, what in the world is in that box? It must be something significant. It must be something important. I mean, why would she leave it out every day and look at that box? It has to mean something special to her. Well, she couldn't stand it any longer. She rode the bus early to school. And so she left the cafeteria one morning before school started, slipped into the classroom, and she tore into the paper, and she opened the lid of that tiny box, and there was nothing there. It was empty. Her anticipation moved to deep sorrow and emptiness. And she said, little did I know how often that scene would repeat itself in my life. That how many people would offer me a gift and say that this will give you satisfaction, meaning, and purpose, value in life. And every time I had great expectation, I would tear into the paper, I would open the lid of the box... And then felt emptiness all over again, over and over again. Carl Jung, an Austrian psychologist, wrote about the life 
a life without God. And he said this, Those psychiatrists who were not superficial have come to the conclusion that the vast neurotic misery of the world could be termed a neurosis of emptiness. Men cut themselves off from the root of their being, from God, and then life turns empty, inane, meaningless, without purpose. So when God goes, purpose goes. And when purpose goes, meaning goes. When meaning goes, value goes, and life turns dead on our hands. The difference is that when you open God's gift, it's not empty. Inside that box is a living Savior who will transform your life, who will give you real life, abundant life. That means a fulfilled life where your life will have meaning and purpose. Will you experience His joy, real life? Remember what Jesus said, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant to its fullest. And so today God is offering you his free gift of his son, the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And today I want to offer you that gift and allow you to understand not just the meaning of Christmas, but understand the heart of God, that he loves you. And he simply wants you to love him in return by knowing his son, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? There might be somebody here today who would say, Pastor, I recognize that I indeed am a sinner and that I need a Savior. And I realize that I must turn from my sin and self and turn to Christ alone for my salvation. That means there's nothing else that can be added to God's gift to take care of your sin problem. But as we learned last night, that Christmas is the first step of Jesus toward the cross. And when you take the cross away, if you separate the cross from the birth of Jesus, then Christmas has no meaning, no purpose. But today I want to offer you the opportunity to give your heart to Christ. I can't pray you into heaven, but I can help you verbalize the desire of your heart. Not just to receive him as Savior, but as Lord. That means that he is going to come into your life and transform it. You're yielding your life to him. You're willing to follow him wherever he may lead you. But listen, he's always going to lead you to the right place. At the right time, for the right reason. You can trust him. So while I pray this prayer out loud on your behalf, I want you to pray it quietly in your heart. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. And right now, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart to forgive me of my sin and receive your gift of eternal life in heaven. Help me, Jesus, to follow you each and every day. Thank you for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look this way. Jesus said in John 6, 47, He who believes, not just intellectually, but with your heart, your life, he who believes has eternal life. You have the gift. You possess it. And now it's learning how to apply that gift to your life, to appropriate it, to live in it, 
And that's why it's so important that you get connected to a body of believers as you've been connected to God now to begin to grow in your faith. But remember that not only does He love you, but now He is with you. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. Not just a foot on the planet, but in your heart, a living Savior. So in just a moment, we're going to allow you the opportunity to come and tell us. Let us know. Come to one of the pastors that you've given your heart to Christ. There might be others, many in this room, who would say, Pastor, I know the Lord, but to be honest, I've taken this for granted, this gift that God has given me. And it's caused me now to love Him all the more and serve Him all the more. And I can help others understand the gift that they can have based on what I know of this gift. Maybe there are others. Maybe there's a need on your heart. You want to come and pray quietly here at the front. Maybe you want someone to pray for you. Then we'll be happy to do that. Father, I pray you'll help us now that we'll do the right thing right now for your purpose and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.